Man, Cornerstone, what an incredible worship song and set. I hope that your experience with us at our online location so far has turned your attention to Jesus and filled your heart with some hope and some peace. That's what worship always does for me. Wherever you're joining us, however you're joining us online, thanks for being here. We are for you. We love you. And uh, I got exciting news. We are starting a brand new series today. It's called All the Feels, Learning How to Feel Through Times Like These. Now, this is an important series because we're going to take over the course of the summer and unpack all different kinds of feelings and see what happens when we can take those feelings and and place them in line with what Christ's heart is for us. If we can learn how to follow Jesus with how we feel, man, our relationships are going to get better. Uh, all, all of our experiences are going to get better. We're going to know how to process things the right way, and it's going to lead to more joy in your life. I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm a little excited. It's not good when I run out of breath before we even get to the prayer, so we better just pray And I can turn all of this energy right into the message for this morning. It's called, I'm So Scared. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to gather together on our online location. We know we're watching this maybe different places and different times depending on when we're connecting. And we just know that your Holy Spirit is not limited by time or space or rooms or buildings or anything. And so we ask through your Holy Spirit that you'd move in our hearts, in our community, in our, through our online location, that you would help everyone watching to see more of who you are. That's what we need. We don't need more of us. We don't need more of our solutions. We need you. We need to know what you have for us. We need to see you more clearly. We need you to change our hearts. We need to be more like Jesus. We trust you. We believe in you. Do your thing this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're starting this series off with I'm so Scared. That's the title of this talk. And really, what we're talking about in this message is dealing with fear. It's a it's a complex subject. And as we roll through it and we roll through all of these messages in this series, what we are trying to do, and successfully, as we've mapped out a bunch of weeks already, is we're trying to pair a story from the Bible with a psalm. A psalm that matches very closely and is so expressive of feelings, the, the, the topic that we're talking about. And this series kind of trolls off of last, the last message in the last series, How to Be Victors. In that, in that message, we jumped into Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28 through 30, where Jesus said, come to me, come to me, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you're weak or burdened or worn out, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he said this, learn from me. And this series, it's all about learning from Jesus how to deal with the feelings that we have, what to do with the feelings that we have so that we can experience the joy and the peace that he was talking about in that Matthew passage. He's got the key to living a life that is full of peace and full of joy. 
We just got to let him have our emotions, learn how to live following his rhythm for life for us to experience it. We're starting with, I'm so afraid, I'm so scared, talking about fear, because it's, it's actually a very complex, a very complex emotion, and one that I think keeps us from getting to the rest of the emotions in these messages. You see, there's not a whole lot of you that would ever assign that to your, your way of speaking. Very few of you would go out and say, I'm so scared publicly. You'd probably never post, I'm so scared. Some of you are going to be afraid to even share the videos from this because the title of it is, I'm so scared. But reality lets us know that, man, we are so scared of even talking about our feelings. There's a whole lot of things we're afraid of. We're afraid of being shown up. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of losing what's ours. We're afraid of somebody taking advantage of us. And we are so afraid of dealing with our feelings that we won't even acknowledge them. We won't even talk about them. Sometimes we won't even acknowledge or talk about them with the people that mean the most to us. There's a whole lot of people that are so scared to even go there with their spouses, their wives, their husbands, their significant others, their children, their parents. I'm so scared. But if we are going to get to really processing and working through all of the emotions that we have, we got to get past our fear one way or another. Fear is such a complex thing. It's complicated. We're, We're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to admit it. We're afraid to acknowledge it. And what it ends up doing is it drives our reactions. And when fear ends up driving our reactions, response and reason goes right out the window. (laughs) All you have to do to figure out that this is the state we are living in now, that, that we are dealing with circumstances in life with an escalated or an elevated level of fear, is look at the news or whatever news channel you watch or scroll your Facebook feed or see what people are posting about. We're so scared. And while we won't ever admit it, we're wrestling with all kinds of fears. And maybe those fears for you, they center around a relationship. Maybe they center around your finances, your health. Maybe they center around your work, your future. Maybe they center around your freedoms. I don't know what your fears center around, but we got to get past our fears to get to the heart of where Jesus is leading us. He did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of love and courage. There's a story about Esther in the Old Testament. It's a book in the Old Testament. You can flip there and follow along. The whole, the whole book, um, it's a number of chapters, is about Esther, but we're going to really just focus in on chapter 4 and kind of skim the beginning of the book and skim the later. I just want to kind of tell you the story of Esther. Her story is complex. She starts the story out as uh, as somebody who was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, her family taken captive as an exile from Jerusalem. She's Jewish to by Nebuchadnezzar to his kingdom. There she's 
living and existing as an orphan. Her mom and dad are dead, and she has a cousin who's much older who's looking out for her and taking care of her, and that cousin's name is Mordecai. Things were crazy, no doubt, in this period of history, especially if you were a Jewish person. All of your freedoms taken, your country taken, your identity lost, facing persecution, facing slavery, facing all kinds of terrible things. Mordecai and Esther, along with a number of other Jews who are now living in the kingdom of King Xerxes, are sorting through all of this really difficult stuff. And fear is a regular part of their existence. It's something that kind of runs underlying all of the other stuff going on in life. Fear can do that. You see, sometimes it hits us in the face. We feel and can taste fear, but other times it's just rumbling around underneath the surface of our experience. It's just the underlying to all of the posts we put on Facebook. It's what's driving all of the craziness we're ranting about when we rant about stupid political things. You see, fear, sometimes it can be in your face and sometimes it can just run underneath the current of your life. What's it doing with you right now? Where, where is fear manifesting itself in your life? Have you been burying it up? Has it been the charge underneath all of the other stuff? Is it creating all of the tension that you're dragging home and taking out on your wife or your kids? Is it what has you so short-tempered? Where is fear manifesting itself in your life right now? Esther, she's in this crazy story where King Xerxes has this queen and his queen, um, he ends up firing her. Well, it was a little different than that. Her name was Vashti. It's a little complex. You can go read about it in the first chapter of Esther. He doesn't do, she doesn't do what the king had requested, even though his request was ridiculous, and he gets rid of her. And he decides to have this like beauty pageant type contest. He remembered Vasti, and he remembered how great things were when things were good with Vasti, and he decides that he's going to replace the queen. So with the help of his, uh, the people speaking into his life and into his kingship, he, he has this, runs this huge thing with people from all over the land. The most beautiful people, women came to this, and they trained them in beauty and all of the things a queen would need to know, and they had like this crazy jacked up beauty pageant, the winner of whom would become the new queen to King Xerxes. Now, Esther is one of these women, and Esther is the one King Xerxes picks, the new queen. Now, what's interesting is, see, God was already working he was already working in these crazy, messed up circumstances. They just couldn't really see it yet. And he was working to bring his people where they needed to be. He was working to ensure their safety. He was working to make sure they understood that they were going to be protected from all kinds of evil and pain that was lurking in the shadows. She, she becomes the queen. Meanwhile, her cousin Mordecai, who's kind of like her caretaker, much older, he's hanging out at the gates of the, of the castle, and he under, un, uncovers a plot that these two guards have to kill, assassinate King 
Xerxes. Esther is now queen. Mordecai doesn't know what to do with this information, but he doesn't want to see the king assassinated. He doesn't know what that would mean for anybody, so he goes and he tells Esther, and Esther goes and tells the king. The king is so impressed that he has it recorded in his own presence in the book of Annals. Now, this is important because later on it would come to be an important part of the story. Mordecai already made a mark by being faithful to do the right thing in difficult circumstances. And Esther was about to make even a bigger difference. Haman is a guy who had risen up the ranks in King Xerxes' court. And Haman was a guy who was suffocated by his own pride and position. He thought he was better than everybody else. He thought he deserved everything. He, he was so arrogant, it just seeped out of him. The king elevated him in position, and everybody would bow to him and be afraid of Haman and his power, and except Mordecai. You see, Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. He wouldn't live in fear of him. He wouldn't let fear control his actions. And so Haman hated Mordecai. And because he held so much hate in his heart, he decided that he was going to destroy all of the Jews. He created a plot to King Xerxes to, to get rid of all of the Jews. He was manipulating the scene all because of the hate he held in his heart. Mordecai, he learns about this plot. And obviously, this is of huge concern. Because now all of the lives of the Jewish people under King Xerxes are at risk. You're talking genocide here. You're talking somebody is going to manipulate the king and all of his family and all of the people from the old country and all the people he cared about and his community and all the people he went to temple with, all the people he worshipped with are going to get wiped out if this dude Haman gets his way. So he calls, he, he comes to the, the gates wearing sackcloth and mourning. Esther, she hears about this and she's obviously concerned about her her cousin. So in chapter 4, this picks up. You see, Esther's attendants had heard about Mordecai, and so she became in great distress in verse 4. She sent clothes for him instead of the sackcloth he was wearing. He refused He refused to accept them. Esther summoned another guy and assigned uh, and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai, and Mordecai tells Esther about the plot. She gives him all of the information, or he gives her all of the information she needed, and she ends up in verse 9 going back, and the servant reports all that Mordecai says to him, to Esther. It says, then she instructed him, the servant, to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. Thirty days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Esther sends this message back to Mordecai. I can't give him that message until he summons me or he'll kill me. I'm not allowed in his court. I'll die by law. And it's been a long time since he invited me into his 
court. Mordecai hears Esther's words and he says, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You see, fear ends up culminating for Esther in, in, com- with competing fears. She's afraid for her own life, and she's afraid for all of her pe- people, and she doesn't know what to do. It's in moments where you're really wrestling with the complexity of fear in your life that it can paralyze you. And when it paralyzes you, it's got you. She has these competing fears. It's so complex. What am I going to do? Mordecai says, you don't understand. You have to do what's right. You have to take a step of courage and trust. What if God puts you in this moment for this time to take this step? What if this is your moment? to be courageous even though it's uncomfortable? What if this is your moment to take a step of faith when fear would say, just stay put, guard yourself, stay as comfortable as you can? What if this is your moment? And what if your moment of overcoming your fear ends up spilling over to help everyone else around you? She didn't know what to do. Her fears are competing. She decides that this was her moment. That even though she was afraid for her life, she was going to take the right step. She set up the support she needed for that step. And then she gave her life, trusted her life into the hands of God. Three incredible things right there. See, Esther says to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I will perish." So Mordecai he goes away and he follows Esther's instructions. She made a decision. See, you got to make a decision on what you're going to do with the fears that you hold or are underlying everything in your life. Are you going to let them eat you up? Are, are you going to let them paralyze you? Are you going to let them keep you from having a difficult conversation that will lead you and the person you love to a better spot? Are your fears going to be the thing that sink you? Or are you going to step past your fears? To do what's right, even if it's scary and uncomfortable. And watch as God does something amazing through your step of faith. Esther, though she was afraid, she made a decision. Make that decision right now. 
decide right now that your fears about your finances, your fears about your politics, your fears about the world, your fears about your work, your fears about your family, fears about failure, fears about letting other people down, whatever fear you are wrestling with, make a decision that you will step past your fears towards something better, even though I'm so scared. She, she made a decision, but she didn't just make a decision alone. She set up the support that she needed for that decision. Some of you, you need to start to say these words to other people. Listen, I'm so scared about this, but I'm going to put myself out there, and I think this is the right thing that God is leading me to do. I'm so scared about serving. I'm so scared about letting people know what I believe. I'm so scared about having this conversation, but it needs to happen. Would you support me? Would you be praying for this as I take this step? Would you be praying for God's protection? Would you be praying for our relationships? Would you be, would you be holding me up and holding me close to your heart as I take this step? See, she didn't just make her decision to step back her past her fears in a vacuum. She, she set up support. It's hard to find a bunch of people you can trust that you can say, I'm so scared of without fear of how they're going to respond to you. But this community, this community is full of people that will gladly stand with you and stand for you as you take a step past your fear towards something better. And then she she decided, like, like our lives are best lived all the time, that her fate was best held, not in her own control, not in what she could do. Her faith was best held in God's hands. Psalm 27 is an incredible psalm about fear. And uh, it's one that was written, um, lost my little page mark there. It's one that was, well, let me just read this to you. You see, the point of this whole thing, this whole psalm is this, Psalm 27. By the way, would you do the psalm challenge with me this summer? So for the next there's 150 psalms. For the next 150 days before I flick on the news, before I jump on Facebook to see all of the garbage that everybody else is spitting out there, before I check the coronavirus report, before I do any of that, for the next 150 days, I'm going to read a psalm a day and see what happens. Because it's about time I learn how to deal with my feelings from Jesus before I get thrown into the fire of our world and culture right now. I'm sick of dealing with fear on my own terms, and the Psalms are going to help me keep my head and my heart straight. Would you do the Psalm challenge for me? It's going to take us to, with me, it's going to take us to like mid-September, one Psalm a day, all 150 Psalms. It's going to be an epic three months. And I bet it changes your perspective. It deepens your relationship with God and that's going to spill out in really good ways in all of your other relationships. Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
when the wicked advance against me to devour me. It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this one do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon the rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in the straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see, the psalm, it tells us that when God is filling the right spot in your life, you can conquer fear. And all of the negative voices in your life lose their sting and power. That's how I want to live. I'm tired of giving away power and control to the voices that are driving fear in my life. I'm tired of, of living in, in, with the undercurrent of fear having me react instead of respond to everything that pops into my life. You see, I want to keep God at the right spot in my life because when God is in the right spot in my life, it doesn't matter who the enemies are. It doesn't matter who stands against me. It doesn't matter what those who stand against me say. Whom shall I fear? I've got nothing to fear because I am God and he is my hiding place. And I know this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not even going to have to wait till heaven to see it. I'm going to see it right now. And while I wait, I will seek him. I will make him my hiding place. I'll let him hold my life. I'll trust him. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to wait for it. Are you going to wait for it? Can you place the confidence in him to say, I'll see it, God. I may not see it now, but I will see your goodness in my life. And until I do, I'm going to wait. I'm going to seek. I'm going to hide in you. You are a good God. Esther goes before the king. He holds out his scepter, probably in love and surprise, giving her the pass. 
And he says, whatever you want, what do you want from me? Whatever you want, up to half my kingdom, I'll give it to you. She says, I want to have, I want to have dinner with you. Let's have dinner. She, she gets dinner with him, and he says, what do you want up to my half my kingdom? I'll give you anything. She says, I want to have dinner with you, and Haman, your servant, I want to have dinner with both of you. Let me throw a banquet. Haman's head explodes with pride. He goes home, and he's like, that's it. I'm going to kill Mordecai, and I'm going to kill all the Jews. I'm becoming the most powerful man in this country besides the king. Nobody else got invited to this party. Nobody else got invited to this banquet. He shows up to the the banquet having put a pull up for Mordecai's execution and he gets there or before the banquet he shows up to king and the king had been reading the scrolls and as he's reading the scrolls he comes to the part where he remembered it had been recorded that Mordecai had saved his life by reporting the assassination he looks at one of his servants he says what has been done for this guy have we done anything? The servant said, no, we have not done anything. We recorded it. He did not get his reward. He calls Haman to himself. He says, Haman, what would you do for someone who did such a great selfless thing for the king? What would you do for someone who was so great and served the king in such a mighty way? Haman's pride is telling him, he must be talking about me. I'd stick him on your best horse. I'd ride him around town. I'd have one of your... One of your people, one of your princes, somebody high in your court, walk around with him on the horse saying, this is the king's man and the king does good things for his men who are faithful and do right by him. Put your robe on him, adorn him. And the king says, good idea. Go get Mordecai, give him my robe, put him on my horse. You walk him around. Haman's realizing it's all fallen apart now. He's at home in his distress when Esther's people come and get him for the banquet. And at that banquet, Esther tells King Xerxes of his plot. And Haman loses his life. God saved all of the people of Israel from destruction, from an evil man with hate in his heart, with racism in his heart. He, he saved all of his people, though they were because Esther took her moment. And though afraid for her life, she took the right step setting herself aside. Philippians 2, 3 and 4. See, not seeking her own benefit, but for the good of everyone else, she set her own fears aside and took a courageous step with support, trusting God. God's been doing some stuff. You haven't seen him. He's been working some stuff behind the scenes for you. It's time to step past your fear and trust him. It's time to get, get do, do the right thing he's laying in front of you, even though it's scary and uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm so scared. It's scary stuff going on out there. But I know this, that I will see the goodness of my Lord in the land of the living. In this lifetime, I will see his goodness on display. And until then... I'm just going to wait and trust him. Could you do that too? Let's pray.
Dear God, we thank you so much for Esther's story. We will never say it or post it properly. I'm so scared. These are scary times, but we can trust you through them. Help us to have the courage to trust you enough to take the steps past our fear to do what you have for us. Help us not to be paralyzed by our fear. What if this is our moment? What if it's for such a time as this that you have brought us here? Help help fear to no longer have control in our lives. Help it not to be the thing that, that rolls under the soundtrack of our lives. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So would you help us come to see those places of our lives where we have let fear take root? Help us to trust you with those places and move forward courageously to way better things. We believe we'll see your goodness and we're waiting for it. In Jesus' name, amen.